Welcome to Building Insight, brought to you by the lawyers at Glayhold Bowles LLP. Building Insight is Canada's first podcast dedicated to construction law and dispute resolution. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm John Paul Ventrella, an associate at Glayhold Bowles LLP, and I'm here today with Justine Escaguri, one of the firm's construction litigation law clerks. Today's podcast is going to focus on the preservation of condominium liens and the challenges one faces when preparing to lien at various stages of a condominium development. We're going to touch on some key considerations, lienable services and notice requirements under the new Construction Act and the Condominium Act, and talk about some practical solutions for some of the issues that arise dealing with condominium units. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to go through a few scenarios that will help us understand the modernization of the Construction Act with respect to condominiums, the notice requirements as we just discussed, and how to go about leaning your, for your services. In our first fact scenario, let's say that your client has been contracted by the owner of an individual unit. Let's say it's a bathroom renovation. John Paul, is this a leanable service? Based on the example, Justine, it appears that it would be a leanable service. Like in any case, when you're dealing with a client who is seeking to register a lien, the first place you're going to look is to the act itself and section one, where it defines what an improvement is, and that will ground whether or not the service is leanable. As a brief refresher, section one identifies an improvement means in respect of any land, A, any alteration, addition, or capital repair to the land, B, any construction, erection, or installation on the land, and C, the complete or partial demolition or removal of any building, structure, or works on the land. I mean, that's paraphrasing the act, but I would urge you to go there as your first order of business in determining whether the service is leanable. I also make particular note to the definition of improvement and sub A, which has added the term capital repair. And that's a new term found in the new construction act. And it is specifically defined under section one, subsection 1.1. So again, I would urge you to ensure that you read the new act and understand all the definitions before determining whether or not the service is leanable. But for the purpose of this podcast, we will assume that these are leanable services. So if the services are leanable, are we also leaning the common elements in this situation or would we just be leaning the individual unit? Well, in this situation, we would want to register the lien as against the individual unit, and we would have to consider whether or not we would also want to register the lien against lands enjoyed therewith. Um, And that could include such things as parking spaces, storage lockers, or other elements that a owner of an individual unit may own in the building. And on that note, Justine, I'll turn it over to you to discuss how one would go about conducting the necessary searches to determine which particular unit an owner owns, how they can identify the lands enjoyed therewith, including parking space or storage lockers, and, and how one would go about making those determinations. An important consideration you mentioned is lands enjoyed therewith. Sometimes parking spaces or storage lockers can be completely individual pins from the actual individual unit. Therefore, you might have one pin or you might have 
two pins or you might have three pins. In this situation, I would refer to the condo declaration on the property for the actual individual unit, review that and see if there are any other pins for the parking and storage loggers. Sometimes you'll also notice that the individual unit owner will have this ownership under their name already. So if you do a search for ownership for them, you'll be able to pull up that pin. As always, it's important to review the legal description of the pin and the condo declaration can always be found on each and every single pin associated to the condo units and the condo in general. And just to confirm, Justine, the condo declaration is, is a document that you can access through TerraView and review? Yes, it is. Exactly. TerraView, it's considered an instrument. So all you'd have to do is be able to pull the parcel abstract. Once you have that parcel abstract, you'll be able to get the instrument number for the condo declaration and you will have access to determine which pins are associated to which property for your lien action. In your experience, Justine, you would consider pulling that condo declaration to ensure you had you know, all the necessary information prior to registering your lien. Yes, of course. And most likely, it may be rare cases, but most likely that unit owner for that unit is going to be the unit owner for the storage locker or for the parking space as well. Perfect. And we'd want to register the lien if appropriate, depending on what the condo declaration states on all of those pieces uh, or all of those parcels, excuse me, to ensure your client's rights are protected. Yes, of course, because at the end of the day, when that owner, it, let's say if he tries to sell his property, he wouldn't be able to sell the individual unit, most likely with the parking space. He may, but in certain scenarios, there's always different considerations and it's good to cover all bases. Right. So it just adds another layer of protection. So John Paul, let's say when we're talking about repairs to an individual unit, and in this scenario, we're discussing a bathroom renovation that may be under the small claims monetary jurisdiction limit of $35,000. Is the small claims court available to clients in these circumstances? Yeah, the small claim court is available for matters that fall within its monetary jurisdiction. In order to get before the small claims court, one must register their lien and commence their lien action in the ordinary course. Um, once that's done, however, a party can bring a motion under Section 58 of the Act, and a judge may refer the action to the small claims court. So depending on the amount at issue, it may be in your client's interest to have the matter referred to the small claims court so that the matter can proceed under their rules and procedures, which tend to be streamlined and more cost effective. And this is important in cases where there are limited amounts at stake in order to try and ensure that your clients get the best value for their money. This means that we'd be able to file a motion for a judgment of reference to the small claims court jurisdiction, such as we would in Toronto for a judgment of reference to a construction lien master, correct? Yeah, that's correct, Justine. When proceeding with a client's matter that is within the monetary jurisdiction of the small claims court, it's important that you consider Section 58 of the Construction Act. Section 58 provides the power to have the matter referred by a judge to a case management master. The section also includes at subsection 4.2 the power to have the matter referred to a deputy judge of the small claims court or to the small claims court administrative judge. So again, if your matter falls within the monetary jurisdiction of of the small claims court, we would encourage you to confer with the act and determine how best to have the matter 
dealt with. And Justine, in addition to small claims uh, procedures, are there any other steps that one would want to take when determining whether or not or how to lean the unit of an individual owner? As always, it's important to perform due diligence when working with condominiums. For example, in a lot of situations, you're dealing with landlord and tenant relationships. In order to understand if it is a landlord and tenant relationship and if you have been contracted by the tenant or landlord, it's important to always review the parcel register. The parcel register would have the notice of lease on title, but if it doesn't, always get as much information as you can from your client. And when dealing with a landlord-tenant situation, it is important that you turn your mind to important changes made to the Construction Act. In this regard, we would encourage you to look at Section 19 of the Act and how it has been amended to deal with liens in a landlord and tenant situation. We discussed leaning an individual pin related to work done on an individual's unit. It is, however, important to ensure that when the work is being done in an individual unit or for an individual unit holder, that the work is not being performed on common elements. Um, we often see work done on ceilings, for example, or balconies, and that may be a common element. So in these scenarios, it is important that you read the condo declaration, ensure you have a clear understanding of what is and is not a common element, and ensure that if the work was performed on common elements, that the lien is registered accordingly. These are nuanced, factually dependent situations, and it's important that you know you provide as much information to your lawyer as possible or that as a lawyer you collect as much information as possible from your client. Let's turn to a different set of facts. We're not going to be dealing with the individual unit owner this time, but let's say your client has been contracted by a condominium corporation to repair a pool. How do we go about leaning the common elements? When dealing with leaning for services and materials provided to common elements, it is a bit more complicated, Justine. Typically, the common elements are apportioned to the individual units by way of the condo declaration. So as we talked about before, when registering a lien in a condominium situation, it is important that you review the condominium declaration, which would be registered on parcel and can be accessed through TerraView. What you'd want to do is register your lien as against each individual condo unit. You can also perform searches to determine whether or not there are common elements, condominium corporations involved in the building, and whether or not there are specific parcels related directly to certain common elements. You have to perform those searches. You have to understand how the building is made up of parcels and identify each of those parcels so that you can properly register your lien and protect your client's interests. And on that note, Justine, you know, this is a very different situation than, than registering a lien on an individual property or home. How would we go about conducting, you know, the necessary and proper searches and, and ensuring that we have captured all of the appropriate parcels to register our liens on? Well, as you mentioned, it is crucial to review the condo declaration, but it isn't the only step. A good place to start is reviewing the Condominium Authority of Ontario's website. It's a free site that has a public registry that shows the condominium corporation's registered office address, the board of directors. It can help verify the number of condo units involved on the condo and also proper addresses for the property management company. 
and whether or not there is a common elements condominium corporation can sometimes be determined through the website as well. The next step, as you mentioned, reviewing the condo declaration is crucial, but it is also important to review on TerraView the condo cross-reference. The condo cross-reference could also be found on Onland's website as well. Basically, it determines all the pins associated with the condominium plan. In some cases, you'd also be able to preserve the lien through a pin range, which would be one construction lien for the entire condominium. However, this is very fact-specific, and we'd recommend discussing this with your lawyer to understand if this would apply to your situation at hand. The need to lien every unit is so that we would understand and also get the information of each and every unit owner so that we would then be able to provide notice to them of the lien preservation. The next important thing, as always, is to do corporate searches. Corporate searches are standard. They're always performed on every single file that comes into our office with regards to lien preservation. So what I'm hearing, Justine, is that clients and lawyers need to perform a cost-benefit analysis here. The prudent way to proceed, obviously, would be to do searches for each individual pin at the condominium so that the parcels can be reviewed and the liens can be registered with all of the information available. There is the opportunity to use a pin range, but that can be risky and comes with certain unknowns that have to be taken into account. And I take it that the prudent way to act is to ensure that you consult your lawyer early and ensure that you discuss your particular situation with your lawyer in advance of the time where the lien has to be registered so that the appropriate steps can be taken. Another important notice requirement to add, John Paul, is section 34, subsection 9. Once the lien has been preserved, you will need to give notice to all the unit owners of its preservation. If there is also a common elements condo corporation, that notice has to be given to that entity as well. There is a prescribed form for this notice and it can be found on ontariocourtforms.com. Thanks, Justine. And we would also encourage anyone listening to ensure that they review the act, specifically section 34, nine with respect to appropriate notices for unit holders. Are there any special considerations with respect to leaning for services provided by your client during the construction phase? In a development situation, it is highly likely that the condominium has not been registered yet. Typically, that's a good thing. In that scenario, you'd likely be conducting the searches one would normally conduct when trying to register a lien in the normal course, including who the proper owners are and what the proper pins for the properties are. However, once a condominium is registered, the game changes quite significantly. You have to ensure that you identify all of their various pins for the individual unit holders, pins for common elements. You have to identify common elements corporations, and we've discussed that to some degree earlier in this podcast. With that said, once a condominium corporation is registered, the cost and complexity in registering liens tends to increase. So we would always encourage those who are performing services and providing work to uh, a condominium development. If they need to register a lien and they have the ability to do so, they should do so before the condominium is registered. The notice of intention to register a condominium has been around for several years now, but it is expressly mentioned in section 33.1 of the Construction Act. 
the form for this notice is Form 11, and it can be found under the Daily Commercial News website or Link to Build website. If you look under Section 33.1 of the new Act, there is the reference to the notice where the owner must publish it within at least five days and not more than 15 days in the construction trade newspaper. We recommend referring to that section for clarification. As we mentioned, because we are contracted with the owner and the registration of the condominium hasn't occurred just yet, we are following the normal course of lien preservation. However, what is important to consider is we may not know if it's one or multiple pins associated with this condominium development. An important thing to always consider in your searches is to also do some mapping. We map through TerraView. We can also map through interactive city mapping, which gives you property lines, zoning jurisdictions, all the information you need to understand if the owner also owns properties that are adjacent to the address that you have provided in your contract. If your client has site drawings, that could also be of help to understand if there's more than one pin associated for the project. Thanks, Justine. So that concludes our podcast for today. As said out at the beginning of this podcast, this is not intended to be legal advice. If you should find yourself in a situation where you need to register a lien, please ensure that you contact your lawyer in enough time so as to allow your lawyer to perform all the possibly complicated searches we've discussed and preserve and perfect your lien appropriately. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're looking to find more resources on condo lien preservation or lien preservation in general, take a look at our website. It's glayholt.com, G-L-A-H-O-L-T.com. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit glayholt.com for more information. If you have any questions, email us at info at We look forward to having you join us again.